are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Great to have you. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation. And I often draw on the meeting and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as my own experience in consulting, including the work I do today at Insignia, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Kimo Kippen, who is an advocate for lifelong learning and talent development. He is the former chief learning officer and vice president of global workforce initiatives at Hilton. We talked about what he's learned over his extensive career developing a workforce and his perspective on the future of the workforce with such disruptions as artificial intelligence and robotics. With us this week is Cash Kehi. He is the president of Kehi Consulting Group. He has enjoyed a career working with leaders around the globe to get better at leading. He's the author of the newly released book, Eight Leader Types in the White House. We'll be talking about those leadership types and what Cash has learned about the field of leadership in his career. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. Cash, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you very much, Elise. It is um, a pleasure to have you. I've known you for a couple of years now, and I know you've been working hard at this book, and I'm so happy for you that it's out. It's here. Congratulations on that monumental achievement. Let's start with that. Thank you. It's a great feeling to accomplish a goal that you set 12 years ago, so glad you're part of it. I, I 12 years. You bet. Oh, my gosh. This is the, this is a day. Let's um, each of us crack open a bottle of champagne later and toast from across um, the, the fair city of Dallas. <laughs> um, all right. So, well, be, before we talk about the work you've done in your 23 years of leadership, I, I, you've been in that space for a good amount of time and you've learned a lot. Um, I want to start off by presencing the actual topic for our listeners, Cash. Why do you think leadership is so important today? You know, I, I think if we want progress, if we want things to get better, it's not just going to happen on its own. You know, someone has to step up. Someone has to take the lead. And the need is, is just widespread. You know, in the political sphere, we see stalemate, lot, you know, a lack of progress. In organizations, I'm sure you can relate, there's a lot of inertia, uh, comfort with the status quo. So leaders and not managers are needed there. And they're needed at every level. I'm a big believer that leadership doesn't just happen at the top. It has to happen throughout organizations, uh, especially when those organizations are flatter, matrixed, global. Um, and then there are movements <laughs> that need leaders. I think the title of Seth Godin's book, I, I couldn't believe it had been uh, 10 years since he wrote it, Tribes, We Need You to Lead Us. Uh, I think it's very important for leaders to connect people and affect change. So that, that's the main reason. I also think uh, 
C-level executives realize this. I just got a study today, at least um, a survey of a thousand C-level executives who were asked out of a laundry list of issues, you know, like cybersecurity, terrorism, uh, global uncertainty, or whatever, what they felt was the most pressing issue facing their organizations, and they said developing next-gen leaders. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's a real need out there. If we want to see things get better, to get unstuck, we need leaders. Would you agree? I would. In fact, I was just thinking about this very thing. I had the privilege, privilege last week, Cash, of working with one of our clients. First, we as an organization got to help them develop their strategic frame for about 16 years out um, from in, into the future. And once they developed that strategic frame amongst the senior executives, they said, oh, my gosh, if we're going to really execute this and pull this off, we really need to bring up our bench strength of leadership. So then, of course, we, we set about developing, we, we put in a program around that to help them with, with, with their leadership development because there was definitely a gap, a chasm. I understand that, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I, as we talk about your book, I think it's probably also important that we get a, a perspective on your your actual definition of leadership. There are various ways to think about leadership, but when you think about leadership or the way you talk about it, how do you define it? I see leadership as moving people in a purposeful direction. I mean, leadership implies movement. Um, and I see it as getting people from where they are to where they have not been. That's actually a quote of Henry Kissinger's. But it's, you know, understanding where are we now, grasping the reality of the situation that you face, you know, the mission, the team, the, you know, yourself, uh, without bias, you know, staring it in the face. That's to me, is the first step in leadership. The second is to envision success. What are we headed for? What is our vision? Uh, where do we want to be? Uh, and there's obviously a tension there between being able to grasp the reality of the situation versus focusing on the future and where we want to be. And I think truly great leaders are able to do both and. I mean, and that's a, a hard thing to accomplish. And then once that, that vision, that direction is set, how do I engage people to come along on the journey with me? Or even if I'm leading myself, how do I engage myself? How do I motivate myself uh, to achieve? I've got a a friend, colleague who, who climbed Mount Everest and took several years of preparation. He even wrote a book, Finding Your Everest or Finding My Everest. Um, and and it just that took leadership um, it, to, to move him from, you know, base camp to, to that peak. And then we've got to drive performance. And so as leaders, it's not just about <clears throat> we've got a goal and we need to move there. Do have we set clear expectations? Have we put in place targets and metrics and things that will make sure that we get to where we want to be? So that's kind of how I see leadership. I appreciate that, and I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I was nodding my head vigorously over here on the other end of the line here, Cash. You said something about the fact that leadership entails taking people in a place they haven't been before, something like that. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It is. Because if, if it's just staying where you are, that's not leadership. It, it, you know, we are striking, boldly going where no one has gone before, if you want to use, you know, the Star Trek uh, motto. But it's, it's taking people forward. 
taking people in a direction. And if you, I don't know much about physics, but you know, a vector is is mass times velocity. And if you think about getting a critical mass of people moving, that to me <laughs> takes leadership. Um, and you know, again, inside organizations, like you said, once you got that strategic frame done, you've got to align the culture. So we're rewarding the behaviors that we want at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things that we certainly say here at Insignium is that that path to leadership is, you know, when you're bringing people along on that journey that they haven't been on before, it can be messy. And for people that really want something clean and crisp, that can be really, really uncomfortable to be the leader who's who's trying to spearhead that kind of an effort, right? Absolutely. I refer to it in the book as a messy complexity. Uh, you know, as uh, Peter Drucker once said, people per- persist in behaving like humans, which means uh, they're diverse, they're different. I think that's one of the greatest understatements in the world, uh, Elise, is people are different. Leaders are different. And that's going to bring a complexity to it, a challenge to it that, you know, is is a pretty big one. I would say the other thing I would add to you is um, something I, I really have latched on to is a concept from the Army War College called VUCA, that we live in a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world. And, and that is challenging to lead into uh, the unknown sometimes, where we have not been before. So, yeah. It certainly is. Now, you're starting to get into, by the way, VUCA. So I, you cut out a little bit there when you were speaking. So volatile is for the V. Yes. U is for what? Volatile, uncertain, C is for complex, what? and ambiguous. So that's complex the and ambiguous. VUCA okay. world um, okay. that we live in um, and that leaders are challenged to to lead into. So, I, you know, it's it's not... You know, an easy job. I will say it's not difficult, but it's not easy either. Uh, You've got to want to lead. And that's really my point in writing the book, is I want to help leaders get better, particularly um, next generation, new emerging leaders. I want to give them the basics, the fundamentals, and understand how their, their innate personality type can provide a lot of strengths, a lot of uh, help, but also forecast a lot of struggles that they're going to have so that they can deal with them. I wanted to talk about that because I know you and I certainly have both over the years worked with a fair number of personality assessments, psychometric assessments, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I, I'd love it if you could say a little bit about personality type versus leader type leadership type. Sure. Can you um, and, dis- and compare, you know, contrast, distinguish? typology systems uh, in the world, and I've used several. Um, I love the quote by George Box, you know, all models are wrong, some are useful. So there's not going to be a perfect personality typing system out there. And I want to stress, too, that with my system, it's not that you are one of these eight leader types. You have all eight of them within you. And when I refer to someone's leader type, what I really mean by that is their dominant leader type. And where this is coming from, uh, Elise, is Carl Jung uh, in his book, Psychological Types, written almost 100 years ago. It's considered one of the 100 most influential books ever written. 
And it's the basis of the Myers-Briggs typology. So what I've done is, through my research and digging into Carl Jung, um, I've taken his eight psychological types and asked, what would that look like in leadership? And, and so uh, the Myers-Briggs, I can, you know, for those who are familiar with it, I can certainly provide those type codes as I go through if, you know, those in the audience are familiar with that. Yes, that certainly. And I know we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in more deeply to the actual eight leader types that you discovered here after into the next segment. Definitely want to do that. Um, is there anything else you want to say? There's one more thing I want to get at, and that really gets to the, you know, some of the premises about you, that you assume mm-hmm. about leadership. But before I get in, I wasn't sure if you were, there was anything else you wanted to say about personality type versus leadership type. No, it's it's really how does your personality show up in leadership? That that's what I've tried to capture, and and I'm a big believer that the single greatest uh, driver of someone's leadership style, of how they define and do leadership, is going to be their personality type. You can't help it because it's the lens through which you see the world. I love the quote by Anais Nin: "We don't see the world as it is." We see the world as we are, and these are eight different lenses of the world, ways of leading, uh, perspectives on issues that I think are essential uh, to leaders, but you've got to be aware of them first. I think that is incredibly helpful, Cash, for just right there for listeners to take a second and just really listen to what you just said there about that, about our personalities being the lenses to our world. This is how we see things and therefore it's going to be how we tend to expect others to do things for us. And I think that is, and as you say, and being a very self-aware that that's how we're going about it and, and thinking about the extent to which that actually works for the situation, what we're trying to accomplish, I think is an incredibly useful piece of information you just gave. So that's great, Cash. Thank you. And let me, if I could follow up, Elise, and say how that plays out. Let's say, for example, you have a leader, and she says, I want you to take the lead on this. Now, she may be saying that out of her personality type, which might be a take-charge personality type. You might have a persuasive person. And so your, your approach, so you've got to get clear with people, here's how I operate. Here's the lens. Here's the, you know the worldview that I have based on my personality type, that's how I'm going to approach it. Is that how, is that what you mean by take the lead on this? Beautifully situated for us, Cash. Thank you for that. And that, that gets into, you know, it's one thing for us to know which types we, we might be using or be more comfortable with. It's quite another to think about how they might actually need to be adjusted or communicated to somebody else to be effective. Really appreciate that. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, writing this book and working in the field for 23 years as you have, Cash, I, I know that, and you and I have talked about some of this over, over time, but if there's a few things that you think are important to cue up about the, the premise that premises that you assume about leadership so that we have an, an, an understanding of kind of how you approach this space and how you situate it, that would probably be a good thing to talk about now before we actually get into the types after the break. Sure, I would be happy to. And, and, and to do that, Elise, I'd kind of maybe like to do an, uh, an exercise that I do in the classroom when I'm on day one of a you know introduction to leadership kind of class. I ask participants to list 
Uh, give me four or five traits, characteristics of a leader you would willingly follow. And I give them some time mm. to reflect and come up with their list of how would they describe the, you know, their ideal leader. And then I ask for you know, people to nominate these various traits and characteristics. And here's what happens. Um, not one trait will be common to half the people in the room in ter- on their list. Um, and what that tells me, and what I, the point I try to get across to leaders is leadership is incredibly subjective. Um, we think our view is the only view or, you know, the best view of the world or the only way to see leadership, when in fact people have multiple ways of looking at leadership. So it is diverse, it is subjective, and therefore these one-size-fit-all <laughs> Prescriptions only fit the one person who, who wrote that book or who said. Um, it, it really means you've got to open up your mind to different perspectives, I think, is one of my big premises. And if you're not aware of that, that you know, self-awareness to me is absolutely key. That is fantastic. And we'll, let's go ahead and stop there for a quick break. But let me acknowledge what you just did there, Cash, just by helping us go through that exercise that you do with, with, with uh, participants. Mm-hmm. sessions is incredibly useful for us to all to start to distinguish as you say just how subjective leadership is and how we each come at it and want something different from it Absolutely. so i really appreciate that you actually brought us right, right multiply that stuff. times the number of followers or direct reports you have then you have the <laughs> idea of how many different views of leadership you have to lead through right and on that note, hold your hold your thought there, Cash. Time for our first break already. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Cash Kihi, who has been working with leaders around the globe to get better at leadership over the last 23 years. He's the author of the newly released book called Eight Leader Types in the White House, Discover and Leverage Your Oval Office Leadership Style. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking a bit about his perspective on leadership and some of the key premises that he uses to to be able to distinguish what he talks about, along with what it really takes to be to be a leader in today's VUCA environment. After this next break, we're going to get into those eight leader types. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? 
Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Kash Kihi, who has been working with leaders around the globe to get better at leadership for the last 23 years. He's facilitated leadership workshops in 21 countries and on six continents for Fortune 300 companies. He's the author of the newly released book called Eight Leader Types in the White House, Discover and Leverage Your Oval Office Leadership Style. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this next piece here, Cash, what I'd love to do for listeners, I've as I've shared this show with with various people on social media and to my to my email network, what I said is, you know, come come listen to find out. We're, we're going to talk about these eight leader types that Cash has found, and maybe you can get an inkling as to which ones you might be employing. So, let's get into it. So, first, how did you how did you actually arrive at the eight leader types? You've done research, so can you say a little bit about how you actually got these eight leader types? Sure. I delved into, I was first introduced to type through Myers-Briggs, and I was uh, qualified, certified to administer the Myers-Briggs type indicator uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, But I deepened into Carl Jung and his eight psychological types. So this is a reimagining of the eight types in leadership. What would this type how could, and, and at the same time, I'm very interested in politics and uh, the son of a Louisiana politician. And I uh, was fascinated with a book that I picked up about 12 years ago called um, Personality, Character, and Leadership in the White House, Psychologist Assess the Presidents. And I thought this was fascinating. And I immediately wanted to translate that into Myers-Briggs types and Jungian types. And it was done in the big five, uh, the five-factor model, if anyone is familiar with that. So I had to translate that into Myers-Briggs types. And lo and behold, what I found was in the top ten U.S. presidents of all time were eight different personality types or leader types, as I call them. And that was significant for me uh, in itself because um, I had been asked one time, because personality type is part of the leadership programs that I teach, uh, what's the best type for a leader to be? And I, was, I, I stumbled on the question because I wanted to say, no matter what your type, you can be a great leader, but I didn't have the data to back it up. Well, with this book and with the further research that I've done, 
I can now answer that question and say, no matter what your personality type, there's a great leader (laughs) that you can learn from. Uh, There is someone like you who has led significantly. And, And so... Uh, the book is simply, you know, one chapter on each one of these leaders, how their leader type emerged, and what it looks like. Um, so if you want me to, I can go through them. Your listeners can pick out uh, uh, which, you know, sounds like them, would, you know, the ones they resonate with. And again, let me say that you are not just one of these. Uh, one of them will likely be dominant in your personality. But if you evolve and grow over your lifetime, you're going to incorporate all eight of these into who you are, into your authentic mm, self. Awesome. Does that sound good? It sounds great. I definitely want to make sure we cover all eight types because, as I mentioned, as I was sharing this episode with listeners, I told them they were going to get a, a snippet of each one of the, sure. of the eight. So please, definitely go for it. Okay. So the first one is uh, what I call the prudent leader type. Uh, This is someone who is very stabilizing, conscientious. Think of them as the guardian of the group. Um, They they value duty and responsibility, uh, tradition. Uh, They're they're very much, uh, they're very calm, dependable, often humble, um, usually trustworthy. They put a lot of emphasis on leading by example. They uh, base a lot of this on their proven experience. So this leader type, the prudent leader type, uh, values information, uh, you know, detailed information, and um, they, they specialize in things. They become repositories of tremendous knowledge. And um, the prudent leader type, this would be um, introverted sensing, if you're familiar with the Jungian types, or ISTJ or ISFJ, if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs types. That would be the prudent leader type. And that's George Washington, um, believe it or not. I, if George Washington would have had Excel spreadsheets, he would have run <laughs> Mount Vernon and the Revolutionary War uh, with Excel. He just... He loved data and detailed documentation. Um, and that kind of, you know, highlights a, a key feature of this leader type. Shall I go on? Wonderful. Okay, so that, yeah, please. So that's prudent, just again for our listeners, that, that prudent. type is called yeah, prudent. prudent. Go ahead. That was helpful. Yeah. The, the next one is proactive. And this leader is uh, very pragmatic. They're energizing, uh, facilitating something happening right now. I mean, they're very enterprising, uh, bold. Uh, they want a quick win. Um, so they value action, urgency, efficiency, uh, spontaneity, uh, variety. They love variety. And, and they never want to be bored, and they're always going to want to have things going on. Um, that is proactive. They have a bias for action. And the quote from Andrew Jackson, I think, sums it up really well. He is the proactive leader type that I feature. When the time for action arrives, stop thinking and go in. Um, And so that's the proactive leader type. The next would be the... Okay, got it. Okay. By the way, let me give the Myers-Briggs. That's extroverted sensing, which would be an ESTP or an ESFP. 
for those who are familiar with the Myers-Briggs types. The next would be innovating leader type. And the innovating leader type is the pioneer, uh, the one who is the transformative catalyst, who latches on to the next big idea. So they're, you know, they move into the new. Um, uh, in, in this case, it was uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And, and listen to this litany of news from presidents that I found shared this with FDR. I, you know, FDR it was the New Deal. Um, John Kennedy was about the new frontier. Uh, Reagan led in a new direction, and Clinton was a new Democrat. <laughs> you see how they, they want to be about whatever is new and, and is leading edge. Uh, they're very optimistic. They're a change agent. Um, so that uh, is the innovating leader type. Next up is the visionary. Great, Cash. I am drinking this up. It's great. Okay. So okay. the next up is Sorry. the visionary <laughs> leader type. Uh, this would be the, uh, I, I hate to keep going back, innovating would have been extroverted intuition, which is ENTP or ENFP. The visionary leader type would be introverted intuition, and it would be INTJ or INFJ. And these are really hard-to-read leaders. Uh, in case in point, it, it's Thomas Jefferson, a very enigmatic, um, paradoxical, uh, but incredibly inventive. Uh, their intuition is very strong, uh, but it's a deep, complex intuition. Um, they're very intentional. Uh, they lead with a lot of foresight. So that visionary aspect is their ability to see into the future. One of my favorite quotes is uh, from Steven Spielberg. He said, I dream for a living. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, I prefer the dreams of the future to the history of the past. Mm. So that's the that. leader type. Okay. The inclusive leader type, let's move on, um, is introverted feeling. This would be an INFP or an ISFP in terms of Myers-Briggs. This is your classic servant leader, uh, very authentic, uh, very compassionate, uh, puts a high emphasis on fairness, values, diversity, and respect for individuals. They're big on internal harmony. Uh, they're all, often, very often, self-deprecating, self-sacrificing, uh, very steady uh, in a crisis. Um, and, and Abraham Lincoln is the, for me, the the epitome of an inclusive leader type. And I make the point in the book that he was inclusive on three levels. One, um, he was inclusive about who it meant to be human and an American and in including uh, slaves in the American dream. So he's inclusive in that way. He was also inclusive that the South couldn't just opt out of the Union. He was going to include them even if they wished to be excluded. And finally, as Doris Kearns Goodwin pointed out in her book, Team of Rivals, he was incredibly inclusive with his leadership team. Uh, and, and so that's why I use him as the example of the inclusive leader type. Next up mm-hmm. is persuasive. So 
the persuasive leader type is extroverted feeling. That's Jung's type. This would be ESFJ or ENFJ. Uh, very affirming, very cooperative, a very tactful uh, influencer. They put a lot of emphasis on trust, on trusting relationships. They, uh, they're very passionate, uh, committed. Uh, they seek loyalty and they want loyalty. Um, so they're harmonizing, nurturing, uh, probably your natural coaches. Um, mentors, uh, lots of warmth and empathy, and that would be Harry Truman. Uh, and the quote, interestingly, Harry Truman wrote a book on leadership. He defined leadership, and he said uh, to the persuasive leader type, a leader is someone who has the ability to get other people to do what they don't want to do and like it. So that's the <laughs> persuasive leader type. Then we okay. come to uh, the take charge leader type, uh, and this would be the, the driver, the very delegating, results-oriented uh, mover, shaker. Um, they are assertive. Uh, they lead with uh, tremendous conviction from their principles. Um, they're the make-it-happen leader. Uh, and, and not just do it my way because I say so. They have tremendous structure. They set out the plans, the goals. They lay out uh, the challenge, and they take on challenges. They, they move into them, um, and they're very candid, <laughs> and they're very clarifying of what needs to happen and holding people accountable, and that would be Theodore Roosevelt. And one of my favorite quotes of his is, the best executive has the sense to pick good people and self-restraint enough to keep from meddling with them while they do it. Um, so that's Theodore Roosevelt, the take charge okay. leader type. That would be right. ESTJ and ENTJ, extroverted thinking. And finally, there's the independent leader type. And the independent leader type is introverted thinking, uh, which would be ISTP or INTP uh, from a Myers-Briggs perspective. These are very analytical, self-reliant thought leaders and goal achievers, if I might add. Uh, they're very much about clarity. They want things to be logical. They look at issues from multiple perspectives, uh, but they value autonomy. Uh, they're very skeptical. Uh, they're, you know... Uh, can be iconoclastic, uh, but they want accuracy. Um, they're very good with clarifying, and they're good with critique, even critiquing themselves. They tend to be very perfectionist, and this would be John Adams in a very strong mm. thinking mm. type. What questions do you have? I, I hope I didn't go through too fast, or if, let me no, know. No, that was... That was- Splendid, Cash. And we have just a couple minutes before we go on to our next break. And I thought that was incredibly articulate. I, I really appreciated how you presenced each of the eight. I Before you even said the Myers-Briggs types, I know what my two are. Uh, do you, you want to try to guess or do you want, you want me just to tell you? I, I would love to hear your thought. I, I want to know. I... Uh, it's It was really easy when you were going through proactive and take charge. <laughs> I kind of figured anybody, that might be your anybody idea. Anybody who's and, had to work with, with you, me certainly knows. Yep, that's how she's You would really rolls. resemble quite a bit. Read the chapter on Andrew Jackson. 
because he had a lot of both of those. Uh, he was a real survivor. And uh, anyway, very interesting history. There was a little bit of the inclusive that I thought I could identify with as well. I think that's, there's certainly, I can recognize aspects when I was the chairman of the board of the YMCA that I uh-huh. certainly could say were, was present for that, as well as when I was president of the Lakewood Service League. I think that I could recognize some of that there too. Well, and that's where you and I would have things in common and why I believe I click sometimes with people is proactive and inclusive are my mm-hmm. two leader types, um, which serves me well as a facilitator. You know, uh, I want to make sure everyone in the room feels included. Uh, and I'm very pragmatic about what we have to achieve, you know, in the time, but I'm open, I'm flexible. So. Uh, another thought that I had, and you said something about over the lifetime, over our lifetimes, we might develop, um, uh, I forget exactly how you said it, might develop into all eight types. Um, another thought that I had was, can or do leaders change their type? And if so, under what conditions? How? Well, and I think, uh, you know, a significant event can shape a leader. Um, you know, there's this idea that leaders need to be twice born that they need to go through a significant struggle and come out of that on the other end uh, to be fully who they need to be. And I take a look at that in each chapter uh, about the presidents. I look at what was happening to them at midlife and what was the transition for them. For example, with FDR, that's the age at which he came down with polio. And and so coming Mm -hmm. through that struggle, and coming out on it, you know, the other side, becoming president, uh, that to me shows his tremendous tenacity and development as a leader. I don't believe that leaders become a different type, but you become a more complete leader, a more complete person. And the goal isn't, you know, perfection. It is completion that I, so there's more nuance Um, But there's actually a sequence that I point to in the book that can give leaders a clue as to what stage uh, or which leader type they're at, depending on, you know, their stage of life. Mm. I cannot wait to read the book, Cash. I'm I'm just really impressed with this, enjoying the conversation. And here we are already at the next break. (laughs) I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Cash Kehi, who has been working with leaders around the globe to get better at leadership for the last 23 years. He is the author of the newly released book called Eight Leader Types in the White House, Discover and Leverage Your Oval Office Leadership Style. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. We've been talking about his his eight leader types that he's discovered and detailed in his book. After the break, we're going to get more into the application into the leadership space. Stay with us. We'll be right back. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Cash Kihi, who has been working with leaders around the globe to get better at leadership for the last 23 years. He facil- he's facilitated leadership workshops in 21 countries on six continents for Fortune 300 companies. Very impressive. He's the author of the newly released book called Eight Leader Types in the White House, Discover and Leverage Your Oval Office Leadership Style. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Cash, before the break, you were kind enough to delineate the, the, the eight leader types. That was incredibly useful for, for, for me and for our listeners. What I want to do next here is really get more into the, the application of this stuff. How do we actually use this stuff to sure. become more effective, to change? So one of the things that you and I were talking about on the break is just the, you know, the, the, the sheer privilege it is to get to be, to, to work in a space that we do, to developing leaders, to be on the journey with them. I mean, that, that precious, intimate space where somebody's growing and being vulnerable and putting themselves out there and, and you know, leaping into the wild blue yonder of whatever's next. And I, I just really mm-hmm. cherish that. And I, I know you do too. So. I thought it would be interesting if maybe you could share a couple examples of leaders that you've known or even worked with who have maybe made a sizable transformation in their leadership. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would start with my, my father, who I think began life as an extroverted, <clears throat> very proactive, active kind of take-charge leader. And as his life evolved and he, uh, uh, his work and becoming uh, much more involved at a political level, 
he transformed in, into a thought leader, uh, that very much an independent. And I believe there's an arc of development that every leader goes through. That if you start off your life as an extrovert, you're not going to become an introvert later on, but you will certainly incorporate more of that introverted tendency, and vice versa. If you start off your life introverted, uh, you will likely end up incorporating a lot of extroversion later on in life. So I do believe in this developmental process. I think it's a cumulative sequence events. And basically what's happening is the first half of life is figuring out, I think Jung said, you know, the first 40 years is just research. (laughs) It's figuring out who am I? And the ego, this is when the ego gets established. And it's at midlife, and whenever that happens, you know, 35, 38, 40, something like that, there are these unconscious, you know, proddings that are percolating up within you that are saying, is this all there is to life? Do I need to be more? And for a leader, that's reexamining what have been my leader types and what could they be going forward and that there's more to your story uh, and how do I um, pursue that now the interesting I saw this in in some of these presidents uh, very incredibly uh, Harry Truman was one uh, I could just see the stages of his development but even when Harry Truman got to the decision about the atomic bomb he was missing John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Um, and, and that, Elise, is, you know, to me is the application that I would hope for leaders. It's not just a matter of knowing this is my dominant leader type or these are my two or three supporting leader types. It's which one is my Achilles heel or which one or two. Um, and for Harry Truman's type, he was missing that critical, uh, you know, explanation and logic around the decision in which cities to bomb. And he was missing out on Thomas Jefferson's long-range vision. What are the strategic consequences? Because Harry Truman was a very practical, down-to-earth, prudent, persuasive kind of leader. Does that make sense that just how these come into play in real-life decisions? It does, and it's great, Cash. This is exactly what I was hoping for to to share with our listeners. So, yes, please. So, I see that in organizations, if you realize these are my strengths, these are the leader types that I call on, it's great if the situation you're in demands that. But let's say you're in a situation that's very different from what your leader type is comfortable with. You either need to, you know, pull that up from within you or make sure you've got someone on your team uh, that is providing that voice. And in the book, I take uh, readers through a strategic planning process using all eight of the leader types and what their perspective is. Um, If I could, let me just share very quickly, run through... In a, in a strategic plan, this is what each one is going to, to provide. The prudent leader knows how we got where we are 
and what our strengths and weaknesses are and is going to caution us against risks. The proactive leader has a grasp of the immediate situation and can identify what's the most pressing threats and opportunities. Um, the innovating leader sees various scenarios of how the world could evolve. They can connect the dots. They see what needs to change in the organization. The visionary leader sees more the end game. How is this going to play out? What's our true vision of how we want the world to look like? The inclusive leader makes sure that we all protect the values that matter most in the organization. The persuasive leader makes sure the culture is aligned around the strategy. And the take charge leader is setting stretch goals. Uh, implementing the strategy, uh, seeing how it needs to be implemented, um, and making sure everyone takes ownership. Finally, the independent leader uh, is going to make sure we have a balanced scorecard uh, to, to check how we've done. But can you see where, if you're missing one of those leader types on your management team, um, you won't see the need for that perspective or that step in the strategic planning process. I do see that, and I, I absolutely understand the, the, the beauty of, of having a, a diverse team. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and I really appreciate what you just said, too, about if, if you don't have that particular type, you won't actually be able to see that there's a missing from that from that vantage point. It, just will, it will not be visible to you. And I think that's incredibly important to point out to our listeners and anyone assembling a team. Yes. And that's what I try to highlight for leaders is when I'm coaching them, what are you missing? <laughs> what, you know, what are your unknown unknowns? Uh, and, and a lot of leadership literature this day, these days is saying leaders need to pay more attention to their unconscious um, and, and their development you know, into and out of that unconscious. So I, I would just say this is uh, really important for, for leaders to understand not only their, their strengths, um, but their gaps and, um, mm-hmm. and to explore that and, and have those voices around them. I hate to say it, but, you know, it takes a village uh, if you want to get a, a village of diverse leader types uh, to get the best overall decision. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I get that I, people ask me, and I'd love for you to weigh in on this from your perspective. I think I know what, what it is, but let's just see. Um, do, do you Are you of the persuasion that anyone can be a leader? You know, I, I struggle with that question. I, you know, I, I know we need leaders at all levels. I will say, though, that the one thing that came true through loud and clear about all eight of these presidents. You know, you, yes, they were very diverse, but they were all ambitious. Um, they wanted to achieve something. Uh, they wanted to make their mark. They wanted to influence an outcome. Do you see what I mean? So that when we say, can anyone be a leader? I would say, yes, if they have that drive, that, that desire to, uh, to impact their world, uh, to uh, influence an outcome. Does that, how does that ring with what you think, um, Elise? Yeah, I, I, 
I, I really appreciate the way you articulated that, Cash. I think that, yeah, I mean, want to influence an outcome, yes. Um, now, what I also think is interesting, and then I, I had a follow-up question about, you know, and or should people want to be a leader? I sometimes wonder about maybe some folks who, if that's if they're not coming into this to influence an outcome, but rather maybe there's other other drivers there. I'm not, you know, there's various ways you could look at those drivers. Maybe some are healthy, maybe some are not healthy. Um, I, I like the way that you pointed the direction, want to influence an outcome. What if, well, I guess, never mind. I was going to say, what if that outcome is more personally oriented than organizationally oriented? Does it matter? Yeah. But I think and, I And I think that. what you're getting at there uh, is, is their need for power really directed at yes. themselves yes. and I want power for myself or is it directed at the general for the general good of, of everyone and that's where I you know come down trying to help people understand uh, what is it that they really want um, yeah, I, I ask one of these uh, in my class at the very beginning why you want to be a leader is an important question that you need to answer and if you're wanting it for power or for status or for, you know, I've, I've got some serious concerns. You know, if you are wanting to achieve something greater than you could achieve by yourself, great. And if you, Jack Welch, there's a great video on uh, his, he was being interviewed by the head of the Stanford Business School, and you can find this on YouTube. He, he talks about this becoming a leader, and he says, before you become a leader, it's all about you and your um, job and what you are uh, doing. But the day you become a leader, it's about them, and you get a kick mm-hmm. out of growing people and seeing them achieve something that was impossible or you thought not likely. So you see what I mean? The the intent and the interest, I think, has to be focused outward, not on me and what can I get out of this. Does that mm-hmm. resonate with you? Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. And it, you, you, were, you were able to put language around what I was trying to express and, and, and present. And so that was wonderful. We are almost out of time, Cash, and I like to give my, my, my guests the last word, if you will. So knowing that this show is all about helping the listeners more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, what would you like to leave our listeners with today and maybe say a minute or less? Sure. Thank you again, Elise, for making uh, this opportunity possible. I would say, you know, leadership isn't difficult. But it's hard, harder than just doing your job. It requires you to step out of your comfort zone. Um, but I believe there's a lot of rewards that can come with that. It's where a lot of learning uh, can happen. But I would say if you have a cause you believe in, an idea that won't wait, or you, uh, you want to accomplish something and you realize you can't do it alone, that's the seed of leadership. And, and once you realize that and step up to the plate. I would say just be that authentic uh, leader version of yourself. Trust the leader in you, and I think others will put their trust in your leadership. Gorgeous way to finish, Cash. Thank you so much, and and I'm delighted to have you on my show. Thank you for joining me and sharing your wisdom and your heart with our listeners. Absolutely. Happy to do so. 
If you want to learn more about Cash Kehi and his work developing leaders or his newly released book, visit his website. It's www.leadertype.com. Again, leadertype.com. Next week, we'll be on the air with Mario McCracken of Move Medical, and he's also a contributing writer to Inc. We'll be talking more about leadership and just really what it takes to build really effective teams. So see you then. Remember that work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.